You're listening to Working, the show about what people do all day. I'm your host, Jordan Weissman, and on this week's episode, I'm talking with Victor J. Webster, a artist at East River Tattoo in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Now, I have never gotten a tattoo myself, but I think they're a really, really fascinating art form. And Victor produces these incredibly striking, large-scale, Polynesian and Asian-inspired pieces that I especially love. While you're listening to this episode, I really recommend that you pull up his Instagram account, Victor J. Webster Tattoo. That way you can look at some of his art while he discusses it, which I think will make the experience just a lot more fun. Now, here's the show. What's your name and what do you do? My name is Victor J. Webster. I'm a tattoo artist. And where do you work? I tattoo at a studio called East River Tattoo in Brooklyn, in Greenpoint. And when most people think about tattoo parlors, I think they generally imagine a place where people are coming in off the street sometimes, maybe after a night drinking, possibly to get something ill-advised. How do you guys work? How do, you, how do your clients come to you? East River is quite a different studio from maybe the stereotype of what you have in your mind when you think of a tattoo studio. Um, you know, in, in in East River, there there are a lot of different artists and we all work in different ways. Personally, most of my clients come to me via Instagram. Then they email. After they've emailed, then they come in for a consultation and then they go on a wait list to book an appointment. So this is a very carefully planned and thought out process. Yeah, definitely, for... definitely. Um, you know, I think I, most of the people who come to get tattooed by me are interested in something that I'm doing. And so they're coming to me specifically rather than just that it's a random shop on the street. Is that sort of standard for the industry now that people are typically finding an artist from social media as opposed to sort of ad hoc or just by passing a place on the, in their neighborhood? I think that, that that's a big change that's happening in tattooing is the move away from people walking in off the street into a street shop, you know, on 6th Ave or whatever at 2 o'clock in the morning to get a little something, you know, and following artists and being more interested in what specific artists are doing, finding someone who, who does something that interests them. That's that's like a huge change that's going on in the industry, you know, in the past five or six years. How long have you been tattooing for? I've been tattooing for 11 years. I started an apprenticeship in 2007, in February of 2007. And where was where were you apprenticing? I apprenticed at a studio called Mukoing. It's in Auckland, New Zealand, which is where I'm from. It's a studio that just focused on traditional Maori and Polynesian designs. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a great place to learn. When did you even get interested in, in tattoos as an art form? So growing up in New Zealand, I lived in a in a neighborhood that was, had a really big Polynesian population. And as a kid, I saw tattoos. I mean, I remember being maybe four or five years old and seeing um, someone men's tattoos on their thighs, you know, and I was probably thigh height and, you know, really having that visual, like, you know, the power of it like, really burned into my mind and, and thinking I want to be tattooed. You know, I didn't even really know what it was. But I want that. I, you know, I want to have that power. And then uh, you, both my parents were artists, so I drew a lot as a kid. And then at like 14, I decided maybe I could make tattoos and I'm going to be a tattoo artist and, and went down that path. So like really young. Had you gotten a tattoo at that point? I, I tattooed myself when I was 14 with a safety pin and some Indian ink and, you know, just in my bedroom. <laughs> but um, <laughs> What you know, was the design? Uh, it was the Roman numerals for the number four. It was a lucky number i don't know how were, were you any good <laughs> no, no it was terrible it was atrociously bad but you know i was 14 years old Do you it, was see, more, it was yeah. more about like you know doing it and having it than um you know because you know it's you can't get tattooed before you're 18 so i wanted to do it and i wasn't gonna wait another four years like i needed it now so that was like you know i had to take that first step 
Do you still have that tattoo? Yeah, or is yeah, it I it's, it's on my it's on my ankle. Right there. So you were your first client. Yeah. And then when did you start apprenticing again? I, I started when I was seventeen. When so, you were seventeen, so yeah. not too long. After. No, uh, which was I was really lucky. I was still in high school, and I um, my dad knew a tattoo artist named Inya Taylor who owned Mokwink, and he said, "Okay, if you're interested in tattooing, you should go and talk to Inya and you know see what's going on there." And I kind of totally fell in love with the place and the people and and i just didn't leave you know it was like just came every day after school and would clean the toilet and clean the floor and you know spend my weekends there and until it was like okay well you're not going anywhere so we're going to teach you a little bit you just harassed them basically into, yeah into that's the best way to it. do it this really interests me though the, the idea of how someone learns to draw on human skin where do yeah. you get where did you even get started with that i mean drawing for tattooing is really different from drawing for anything else it, it has these kind of set of rules that you have to follow b- just because of the medium you know the medium is uh it goes through obviously like it, you know people bleed uh there's all kinds of difficulties with healing there's all kinds of issues with how ink goes into skin and so there's there's kind of certain rules which you have to follow when you make a tattoo not only while you're making it but you also kind of have to think about the aging process of of how the tattoo is going to age so you have to leave enough negative space. You have to make enough contrast. There's kind of things you have to start to think about. And those those things you can be taught. You know, like they're, they're like, you know, ground rules that you have to know before you can start making work. In terms of learning about sterilization and hygiene, that's something that you can, um, you know, you can also teach people. In terms of setting up machines and things, that's something you can also teach people. Putting ink into skin is a whole other thing, and it is really hard to learn. And the and the only way you can really learn it is by doing it. Is there a, a practice process? Do they give you you know a pigskin to work on the first there's, time? There's or all an kinds of there's or... all kinds of strange practice things. Yeah, you can tattoo an orange. You can tattoo pigskin. There's kind of some fake skins and things. The problem with all of those is that none of them heal. Mm-hmm. So you're brought, you know when you get a tattoo, you know obviously you bleed, you form a scab, the scab comes off. You know there's this whole like two week healing process of the tattoo from you know fresh to healed. Nothing does that like a human body, you know. So you can you can try and tattoo as many oranges or bananas or whatever you want, and you're going to make a line, and you know maybe you're going to get used to holding the machine a little bit. But in terms of depth in the skin, how you're working, the other thing is also that you know you can tattoo like a pig's foot or something, but the pig isn't going to tell you that how much it hurts. You know, it's it's like you know that whole experience of dealing with clients and being with people while they're going through this huge process. Like that's that's something that you can only really learn through experience who was the first person you ever tattooed aside from myself aside from yourself aside from myself i I had some really good friends um you know people who people who i worked with who were um also tattooers who were you know kind of covered in a lot of work and so for them to get like a little whatever wasn't a big deal you know then after that then you tattoo a few you know friends who are not tattooers who are maybe just really trusting and then after a little while, then you you know then you offer to to tattoo some real people that you don't know, you know, with the you know letting them know that you were still learning and showing them the work you've done and seeing if they'll trust you. And you know, a lot of people were like, no, thank you. But you know, occasionally you came across someone who was open to it, and you know, and that's and that's a really slow process. That's not easy. A client comes to you now. How do you begin the process of coming up with the idea for a tattoo? Right. Um, most people, uh, most people who email through to get tattooed, they'll send me examples of work I've done in the past, saying like, 
I like, you know, this kind of thing that you do, you know, I would like something like that. Or, um, you know, sometimes maybe there's a specific subject matter, you know, I want a tiger or I want a whatever it is. Some people bring more than that, you know, they might bring some piece of reference that's outside of tattooing, which I really enjoy, you know, it might be textiles or it might be ceramics or, you know, it could be something else. And that's, you know, that's like a really interesting starting point because you can kind of work out a way to interpret that into tattooing. But generally it's like a, a point of reference of something that I've done in the past and someone's interested in some of my work. And at that point, does it become a dialogue? How do you... At, the, at that point, I mean, you know, I um, I kind of, I only work on large scale pieces. So, you know, and... What I, counts as large scale? I suppose, you know, like a, anything anything bigger than a half sleeve would be large scale, you know? So a half like a, sleeve is like, like sort a, of midway down your forearm. Like, or, or like your, you know, your whole forearm or your whole upper arm or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. It depends on, you know, it depends on the part of the body. So your philosophy is quite literally go big or go home. It's not necessarily that. I think my my interest is like, if you're just going to do a little picture, it's no different on paper than it is on the body. So I want to make work which reads really well on the body. If you can, you know, do something interesting where you work with the way it fits the muscles, the way that it moves on the skin when the body moves, that's where tattooing becomes powerful because... It's instead of being like a picture on a piece of paper that you've tried to translate onto the skin and it doesn't, doesn't like it doesn't quite work, you've created something which is like way more dynamic. So that's my that's my thinking with why I like doing larger scale work. So I was going to say that you know a smaller piece that I do would like it be a hand because hands are smaller, but obviously with a hand you have you know like all the articulation and movement that you can you can really play with. That's interesting. So for you, it's really about supplementing the body. Yeah, it's definitely about embracing the fact that it's on the body rather than rejecting the fact that it's on the body. Is that a philosophical cleavage among tattooers? Is that something that people, because obviously there are a lot of tattoo artists who are very much about creating intricate pictures that aren't necessarily. I I think coming from New Zealand and learning in a kind of Polynesian tradition, that's, you know, the focus of, of Pacific Island tattooing is definitely about the way it fits the body. That is a huge part of any island's design is, you know, fitting the form really well. And I'm not sure why that is, whether that's a, that's because they're not designs that were designed on paper to then go on the body. They were designs that were just made for tattooing. But it's it's a really big part of that ethos. So, you know, the things that I loved about Pacific Island tattooing were this kind of form-fitting design, you know, simple, bold, geometric shapes you know, really beautiful use of line, really beautiful use of contrast, really creating this kind of incredible, like, spiritual armor on the body, you know, that that the kind of carries the person as much as they carry it. So I think that that's, that's why I'm interested. I don't know if it's necessarily something that divides tattooers, but, it, you know, it's just something that I'm interested by. We were talking about how you sort of negotiate with a, a client or work with them when you mentioned that you work in large scale. So how does that, I guess, influence the process? Right. Uh, so after after someone's emailed and connected and we've decided that, you know, we're going to go forward, they come in for an in-person consultation. This is a really important part for me where you kind of get to know the person a little bit and see who they are and what they're like and get a feeling of, of what kind of work feels right for them. Also, if I'm the right person f- to tattoo them, you know, just because you like my work and you want to get tattooed, maybe, you know, maybe we don't click for some reason, you know, so it's an opportunity for people to to feel comfortable and for me to feel comfortable before we go ahead. Why is that ability to click with a client important for actually doing the work? I suppose to get tattooed, you, you're going to spend a lot of time with someone. Um, you're going to go through, you know, quite a, an extreme process, it's quite painful and 
sometimes can can take a real you know like it takes a lot out of you so you you definitely want to be on good terms with the person who you're tattooing and the person who's tattooing you you want that you don't want a jerk sticking a needle in you or you don't want to think the person sticking a needle. totally yeah you you want to you want to feel like you're both on the same on the same level you know and maybe that's the kind of work that the people are interested in getting but it's also like just who you are as a person you know like what what motivates you to get a tattoo it's a it's a crazy thing to do so like to feel like that's a good idea and to feel like this person who's going to tattoo you is the right person. It's, I don't know. It's really important. What do you talk about during that consultation? Uh, I, we talk about everything. I mean, we talk about you know anything that is relevant to the design. Um, we talk about uh, where the person's coming to from it. You know, for some people, it's you know it's simple as like I think that's beautiful, and so I want that. For some people, it's a you know there's a way bigger story in terms of what would motivate them to get this piece, and that's you know, something that I want to take into consideration while I'm designing, you know, so that I'm prepared for the kind of, you know, like, it's not just like, it's a decision to, to mark yourself and to change yourself, but it's quite, a, you know, it's quite a crazy thing to do and, and quite a big leap to take. And so I'm holding people's hands while they take that big leap. And, you, you know, you want to be prepared for, for what you're getting yourself into. Especially when they're getting something at, at scale. I was, looking totally. at, I was looking at your work and you do these mammoth pieces. I mean, just full body, full back tattoos, birds all across someone's spine. I mean, do you ever find yourself talking someone out of getting that kind of work done? Do you ever find yourself wondering if someone's ready for it? Or Yeah, d- definitely. That's, I mean, and for me, when I'm saying I you know want to make sure that they're the right that I'm the right person for them. It's also if they're the right person for me. And that's part of the, uh, you know, feeling, feeling out, you know, is this obviously is the design going to work, you know, and is it something that I'm interested in making? Because you don't want to get tattooed by someone who doesn't like what they're doing on you, you know, because they're not going to do the best job they can. So it's about feeling inspired by the idea, feeling like it's a correct idea. So some people will come in and they might have a loose idea and you can say, okay, you know, maybe we could go down this direction. But then you get to a certain point where you realize like, oh, that's not what they're interested in. And so maybe we don't make this piece. So you're sitting there sketching out ideas in front of them? Not not always. Sometimes, if, you know, every consultation is quite different. Some people, maybe it's a little loose idea. Maybe sometimes I'll draw on them a little bit with a Sharpie, you know, just to kind of get an idea of what kind of space we're going to use, maybe how something's going to fit together. But, you know, it's 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 quite loose. Everyone's different. You know, sometimes it's really simple and it's just like, I want a this and, you know, let's just do that and it's you know there's there's nothing to stress about but sometimes it can be more intensive than that what comes after that initial consultation so after the consultation they go on a wait list Mm -hmm. and then they have to wait for an appointment um how long does that take uh six to nine months ish so they have a good long time to think about. They what have they're a good gonna... long time to think about it. Yeah. Do you ever get clients who say, "Ah, oh, on second thought"? I, I'm yeah, not... d- definitely. That, I mean, that 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 wait is a really long time. You know, it's it, especially when you've kind of made your mind up. Okay, I'm going to get this tattoo. I'm going to reach out to the tattoo artist, and you know, you wait to come in for a consultation, and then you come in, and it's like, okay, we'll make this a tattoo in nine months. You know, for some people, that can kind of really take the wind out of their sails, and. And they think, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to someone else, which I totally understand. Do people change their minds about the design they want in the course of that? How do you? Very rarely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very rarely. I, you know, it's also that thing of like, for me, we've we've discussed a certain idea. So if we're going to change that idea, it kind of takes us back to the first step of, of that process where it's like, is this the right idea? You know, what's making us do it? You know, it's, it's also, it's a, you know, because it's kind of big pieces and big scale work. 
that you know really like settling on an idea is is quite um, important to start. Does the client get to see sort of a a preview of it fully drawn out at some point, or is does that depend on the piece of work? So th- this is something which is different from artist to artist. For me personally, the majority of the tattoos I make, I make freehand. So I draw on the body with a you know ballpoint pen or a sharpie, and that's what we tattoo. So I don't draw it on paper first. I might make some loose sketches. I might have some ideas. But in terms of the design, I draw it on them on the day. So there is no seeing it beforehand because <laughs> it doesn't exist until that moment. So they go from talking to about the idea with you, maybe getting the Sharpie. Yeah, a loose on, idea or something. And then finally the day of, it's drawn on with a pen and yeah. they're going into it. it. You know, do you do the barber thing where you, like, you hold a mirror to their back? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. They get to look in a mirror and I take a photo and make sure it's all okay, of course, yeah. There's no just like, surprise. No, yeah, and you don't just start yeah. tattooing, of course. You know, yeah. there's a whole conversation and if yeah. people want to make changes, you make changes and if it doesn't, you know, and occasionally it doesn't feel right and then you reschedule and you try again. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Once you're ready to actually tattoo a client, what what tools are on your tray? What are you working with? I use tattoo machines. Yeah. Sometimes people use the term tattoo guns. This is kind of like a it's a sign that you don't know what you're talking about. It's it's you know like a real misconception. There's nothing gun-like about a tattoo machine. It doesn't shoot. It doesn't do anything that a gun does. It you know it's a it's a machine. It's actually Depending on the style of machine, it's kind of it's more similar to a doorbell than anything else. A doorbell? A doorbell in terms of the, the mechanism is like mag- magnetic coils and little armature bar. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's a machine. It's, it's definitely not a gun. Um, depending on the piece that I'm doing will depend on what, uh, how many machines I'm using. Every different machine runs differently depending on it'll, it'll run at a different speed or it'll hit softer or harder. And so... With the different machine, you'll use different needles, and the, the needles themselves are the same, but the groupings that they're soldered together in, whether they come to a really fine point or whether they're kind of spread out, will create a different effective line or, you know, for different shading effects, you use different machines and different needles. So it's kind of like if you were a painter and you had a whole lot of different brushes. How many would you say a typical tattoo artist has at their disposal? I mean... In terms of a single tattoo that you do, you would use anywhere between maybe one and four different machines. But in terms of my personal collection of machines, maybe I have like 34 or something, you know, like a, a, a lot. Because, you know, each one of them is is so different from the next that you have this huge variety that you're going to, you know, you have at your disposal. And is that what allows you to, say, do a tattoo that almost has like an a ink wash effect or almost like a watercolor effect versus a, a deep black For sure. thick line. It, so, I mean, obviously there's, there's, the machine is going to run differently. The needles that you use are different. The hand of the artist plays a huge effect in how the tattoo is going to look. And then also ink that you're using. You know, so if you're going to be doing you know, some kind of really soft gray, you're going to be using gray wash. If you're doing solid black, you're obviously using black. If you're doing color, using colored inks. You know, all of those things play a big part in how the tattoo looks. Do you have like a favorite brand of ink that you yeah, deploy? I do. I do. What is that? 
Uh, Are you allowed I, to say? I, I can't say. Oh no! It's, is is yeah, that a trade it's, secret? It's, sort of? it's kind of trade secret. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Why? It's it's not it's not necessarily trade secret, but it's kind of one of those things that it's um you don't want to announce because you don't want people to just to like go out and buy it and start tattooing each other at home. You know, it's kind of tattooing is still a little bit secret in terms of you don't want people to have too much information because you know because it's also like it's risky. You know, you 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 opening the body, you risk infection. There's you know there's you risk giving your friends terrible tattoos so you don't you, want too many home enthusiasts you don't want home enthusiasts like exactly. you were at age 14 exactly that's yeah. a disaster yeah. yeah so i mean so at age 14 i was using the india ink and it was a bad idea <laughs> but what makes a good tattoo ink then what are you looking for i specifically tattoo in black i i very very rarely use color you know maybe once or twice a year i'll do a color tattoo so the black ink that i use I mean, this is the ink that I've used for my entire career. This is the ink that my teacher used before I started tattooing and his teacher used before him. So it's the same brand of ink. And so for me, like, I know what tattoos that are 30 years old with this brand of ink look like, you know, and I'm really happy with it. There's kind of, you know, there's some little things in terms of the consistency of the ink, which, you know, there's other brands that come along and you try them out and they maybe they have different consistency to them. So they're not so nice to use or there's, um, you see quite often like tattoos have a slightly greenish tinge. Maybe that green might be a slightly, uh, you know, a bluer green or, so, you know, little things like that. Different people have different preferences. But you're looking for kind of a deep black that yeah. will last, yeah, essentially. exactly. And it's the chemical properties of that ink that are... Yeah, I mean, so in terms of most black tattoo ink is, is just carbon. That's the pigment that makes it black, which is why black tattoo ink has... Uh, people have less issues with healing it in terms of, you know, people having allergic reactions to ink and things like that. Your body's made of carbon at... at accepts the carbon fine there's no problem you know if you're going to have an issue with infection or something it's going to be from the healing process or bad sterilization process where you're going to have that that kind of problem come up the ink itself is is really um you want that to be as safe as possible obviously you're putting into people's bodies as soon as you start using colored ink and it's kind of one of the reasons why i don't like using color so much is you have all of these other issues to worry about so Depending on where the ink is made, you know, if it's made in America, maybe it's got, um, I'm not sure what the what the uh, department is here, you know, there's like a, there's a body. FDA. That, or FDA or something like that, you know, that makes sure that it's safe. But if it's made in China, then you have no idea. Maybe it has heavy metals in it or something. In terms of the, the, the chemicals that they use in the pigment, maybe they're really new. Maybe people have been using them for two years and we don't know what those good tattoos are going to look like in 30 or 40 years you know you have this whole other set of concerns and then in terms of the the client themselves occasionally you have people who have allergic reaction to colored ink and so that's something that you have to worry about as well how do you go about sterilizing everything once you're you're getting ready the needles we use are single use we use them once and then we throw them away the needle sits inside a tube which is like a it's a little grip you know if you imagine that's kind of like the pen bit that i'm holding that's made of stainless steel and is sterilized on site so is it goes through a process of being scrubbed in an ultrasonic and then put through an autoclave where it's also bagged so it's sealed inside a little bag and then when it comes time to use it that's you know we open it and use it and do you have to do anything to the person's skin or is this you clean the skin with alcohol you know just to kind of get off any new york city grime that might be on them how often is the person you're tattooing coming in for their their first piece or are you usually working with people who've had more than one tattoo before? I really don't know the answer to that question. Um, I think I tattoo a lot of first-timers, but I also tattoo a lot of people who are getting, you know, multiple pieces. I don't know. I, maybe maybe in the past couple of years, I feel like I've been tattooing less and less first-timers. I ask because I'm curious how you prep people for the pain. 
Like, how do you get people ready for having needles jabbed into their skin for a right, few hours? Right, right. Um, I mean, in terms of the, the feeling itself, I compare to sunburn in the shower. That's like the sensation that I personally think it feels the most like. It is painful, but it is bearable. In terms of pain, is you know, it's like it's information going from your nerves on your skin to your brain and, and telling you that this sensation is unpleasant. What you do with that information is kind of up to you. So you have some people who take the pain really well, and then you have other people who don't. Do you ever find people just start squirming or anything like that? Or okay, Occasionally you have people who, who don't sit so well. Um, personally, I find the best way to cope with pain is through breathing. I practice yoga, and that's something that I, I find has been really helpful for me is like focusing on breath and, you know, really kind of, you know, I don't want to say it's like meditation, but it's, it's you know, it's just like just being in that moment and, and getting through it at the time. You know, as soon as, as the machine stops, the pain stops. So, you know, it's, it's not... Um, you know, it's it's like I said, it's like a kind of it's a mental thing. It's not a. Um, so do you ever find yourself just sitting there saying, "Breathe, breathe"? Yeah, totally, time? totally. Yeah. You have to talk people through it. You know, some sometimes you know, like I said, some people sit amazingly well, and you ha- would have no idea that they're in pain at all. And some people, you can tell that they're tense or they're uncomfortable, and I kind of you have to talk them through it a little bit. I I always use a um, a little thing that my teacher would say, and that was he would compare it to getting into cold water. And say, you know, if you are just relaxed and you just get in, it's totally fine. But if you're tense and you fight it, then it becomes a lot harder. So if you can just, you know, relax your body, you relax your fingers and your toes, your tongue, you know, so it's not pressed against the roof of your mouth. Those little things really help to manage the pain, definitely. Is it more challenging to tattoo someone who's very tense? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes it makes my job harder and it makes the pain worse for them. So. You know, so you definitely need to to help people along with that. How long are you typically working on a piece? It depends, obviously, on the piece and the size of the piece. You know, but a single session for a, a large scale tattoo, most times you you maybe sit for you know three or four hours at a time. After about four hours, most people have kind of had enough. You've worn through some of the adrenaline. You've worn through some of the endorphins. You're not in the best state of mind. Maybe you're feeling hungry. You know, all of those things that start to wear on you, and and it becomes a little bit a little bit more sensitive, a little bit more raw. So people, you know, generally at about four hours have had enough. Also, your your concentration has to go at a certain point too, right? Yeah, yeah. Like what's the maximum amount of time you can you can tattoo for before your hand starts to get a little tired? I think, you know, big for me, big sessions where people really are incredibly strong and push through, they'll maybe do seven hours. And seven hours of tattooing someone for me is, is quite exhausting. You know, physically, it, it, you know, you're generally in like, quite an awkward hunched over position you're having to physically be holding this person you're having to uh you know and 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 work and concentrate you know you have to be really focused so definitely at seven hours i'm I'm pretty exhausted you know i feel i feel a little broken when i get home and people sometimes do bleed while they're getting the yeah for sure i mean do, what do you do when someone starts to bleed so in terms of the the amount of bleeding is is not huge you know they're not um they're not hemorrhaging they're not you know bleeding all over the place that you know it's, it's not a it's, war <laughs> it's not a war it's you know um you know there's no amputations or anything like that you know it's it's very mild um you know and so you just you're constantly wiping the, the skin with uh, with a paper towel, which has got some hospital-grade soap on it, and you're just wiping away the little bit of blood as it comes. When you're doing an outline, there's very little blood. Maybe if you're filling in a large area of solid black, you might find that there's, there's more blood, but it's quite mild, really. Is doing a large area of solid black challenging in a way, or is that sort of the simpler part of tattooing? No, that's one of the hardest things to do. 
Because you do a lot of them. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's kind of um, you have to make something. You know, skin as a as a medium is quite inconsistent. You know, from the inside of your forearm to the outside of your forearm, the skin is is really different. You know, it's had years and years of the sun or being you know rubbed up against things. You know, so the skin on the outside is is a lot tougher than the skin on the inside. So to try and make you know this large area where the whole thing feels like a consistent consistent saturation of solid black is is really tricky. Then once you also make the tattoo, then the person has to go away and heal and it has to heal consistently as well. And that's a, that's a whole other thing. Technique-wise, what do you do to ensure that it, it remains, that, that you get that that consistent look? You have to be really careful about ink. You don't want the ink to be getting diluted by blood or the soap on the paper towel or anything like that. You also have to be really conscious that you the, the movements you're making with your hand are always exactly the same. So you're not kind of working faster in one area and then working slower in another. You know, you have to be be really consistent with your movement. And, you know, it's, it's quite a meditative process. So a lot of it's just muscle memory. It's, yeah, it's, definitely. It's almost like, it sounds almost athletic in it, a way. It is athletic, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like just a, incredibly small motions. Totally. But yeah. Yeah, for a really long time. Yeah, that does sound both meditative and for a klutz like me, terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> like, you but, get used to it. But, you know, but it's yeah. it's a hard thing to learn. And, and yeah. it's something that for the first few years of tattooing, I really struggled with. It was, you know, something that I really found was like you would do some solid black and, and then it would come back and it wasn't solid enough. And you'd have to come back in and kind of rework it. Coming back to the stamina thing, I mean, how what is the most sessions you've ever worked on a single tattoo for? When I first started tattooing after maybe maybe 18 months of, of tattooing, I, I was really fortunate and I... There was a there was a guy I tattooed who he had some old tattoos he wanted covered on both of his arms and so we did two sleeves and then he decided he loved them so much that he wanted to do a bodysuit. So you know, after, and a bodysuit covers how much? Uh, it stretched from his ankles to his wrists to his collar. Oh wow! Um, and you know, for me as a really you know a young tattooer in the beginning of my career it was a great experience because i got to tattoo every part of his body and you know really get to learn about different muscles different skin you know everywhere and so that was that was definitely like the biggest project i've ever done uh you know it, it was yeah, it was a crazy experience how long was that total i i i don't know i it was like 100 hours or something like you know it was crazy amount of time also you know i just started so i was slow and it was yeah, it was it was a hell of a process. That brings me to a question I'm kind of wondering this whole time, which is what is the most technically challenging part of the body to tattoo, in your opinion? It's a strange question because it's it's there's parts of the body where tattooing is just not a good idea. You know, like the palms of your hands and the soles of your feet. The skin is is really terrible. It, it you know you're using your hands all the time. It you know the skin wears away. Your feet. You know, always in shoes and, you know, the soles of your feet in particular, the skin is, is also being kind of eaten away all the time. I mean, that's why your shoes smell, you know. So the the skin on your palms and on your soles of your feet are, are super problematic. People still tattoo them, but in terms of the designs you can do, it's super limited in terms of the possibilities. But that's, so that's like a particular challenge. Other challenges, you know, I mean, I, I always find necks are really difficult to tattoo that you know they do a lot of movement and they are really um the skin is incredibly stretchy but that being said i always find they're really hard to tattoo but then they heal really well and someone explained it to me once that your when your heart pumps freshly oxen oxygenated blood it goes to your brain first so passing through the neck so the blood is like the cleanest it is anywhere in your body is in your neck so 
that's my next heel really well. But the process of actually tattooing them is difficult. I asked because you, you were talking earlier about how you like to kind of supplement the body and you like to think about the way it moves and stretches and flexes when you come up with a design. So I, I figure there have to be parts that it, it's kind of trickier to do that on. Like an elbow to me seems like it would be tough, but maybe not. I don't know. Everyone gets sleeves, so. Yeah, elbows, I don't know. I, I, I love tattooing an elbow. Yeah, it's, you know, because it's it's on display a lot. You get mm-hmm. to see it all the time. Um, and it and it has fantastic articulation, you know, incredible movement, and so you can really you can really play with that a lot. Yeah, elbows are good fun. I want to talk to you a little bit more about the culture of tattooing. You are very fascinated with and and love Polynesian designs. That's where you got your start, and you do a lot of sort of Asian inspired work. Does the issue of cultural appropriation ever come up in the field? Is that something that people talk about when you know a white client wants to get something Asian themed, for instance, or kind of native themed? Yeah, I, this is a really interesting conversation because it's something that I think for a lot of tattooers is only kind of coming into their consciousness now. I feel like even when I started tattooing, there was a, there was less of this conversation. In New Zealand, there's, there is a really big kind of debate about cultural ownership and who owns particular designs or patterns and who can wear them. It's, re- it's really fascinating. And, and so coming from that background, I, I'm, I'm super interested in this. I am definitely no authority on it. Tattooing as an art form, I, I think, has it has a problematic past because there is like a history of European tattooing, pre-Christian European tattooing that was incredibly tribal. You know, it was like pagan tattooing. Obviously, it died out completely and there was very little tattooing done in Europe for a thousand years or whatever until... European sailors got to the Pacific and then they saw tattoos and started getting tattooed again. I mean, even the word tattoo is a Polynesian word comes from tatal, you know. So immediately it's like it it comes from, you know, from colonization. It comes from these like really problematic histories and the revival of tattooing in any form, it starts from that, you know, modern tattooing starts from that point, Cook's voyages in the Pacific. But for me in particular, I I really have an interest in kind of these like these patterns that connect, you know, these patterns that show up again and again across the world that maybe you've seen that design and you think, oh, that's a uh, that's a Native American design. But then you see it in the Pacific and then you see it in Chinese textiles and then you see it in European churches and, you you know, you see it all across the world. And it's kind of these motifs that are like a universal language that a lot of people used to speak that nobody speaks anymore. You know, they're kind of these same motifs that show up again and again. Those those designs really speak to me, and I and I I find a huge interest in them. If someone comes in and and is you know I recently I feel like I've been tattooing a lot of Filipino clients, you know, and they're interested in reclaiming Filipino heritage, and so that's something where I'm like, okay, if you want specifically Filipino designs, we can do that. If someone comes in and is like, I like the way that looks, it's like, okay, well maybe we can make something that has that same power and that same feeling, but is less specific but it's you know it's a kind of it's a problematic history of tattooing and i think that you know something that we definitely need to be conscious of and thinking about and talking about do you ever talk to your clients explicitly about that oh, or it's definitely some... yeah 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 it's mm-hmm. it's it's a conversation in the shop a lot mm-hmm. you know which is yeah it's great you I love it. maybe you don't want to take something that's as explicitly valuable to another culture you yeah let's we can do a riff or variation on that yeah i also find in new york I, i'm really fortunate i think the, the clients that i tattoo are, are super informed and super educated and quite often you know bring that up as a as a point of conversation when we have our initial 
uh, initial consultation, you know, like people are pretty well educated. It's, you know, I'm always impressed by it. But it's it's kind of, it's really tricky. I, I have a friend of mine who, she's a Papuan woman who's working on Papua New Guinea tattoo revival. And she's kind of, in Papua New Guinea, they had this incredible tattoo history where it was women tattooing women. It was something that was like passed down from, you know, from mother to daughter. And now it's like there's a, you know, the the grandmothers there have the tattoos, but the mothers and the daughters don't anymore. It's something that's seen as, you know, really, you know, it's, 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 they're definitely like, they're losing it. And so this friend of mine is going through this process of documenting the, the tattoos and the designs, and she's trying to like start this revival and is, and is doing it really well. She's doing beautiful work. But we were talking about, uh, we were to, I, I was talking to her recently about the, there's a lot of, I see a lot of tattooers in Europe who uh, maybe have never been to the Pacific who are doing, you know, these really beautiful tattoos, but they're kind of just straight copies of Polynesian designs. And I was asking her how she feels about it. And she had this really good analogy that I, that I liked a lot. She said, she thinks about them like they're like florists. They come along and they, you know, they see a flower growing and they think it's really beautiful. So they cut it, they take it home and they're like, look at my beautiful flower. But they're not interested in the plant and how the plant's growing and how, you know, the history of that plant. Did it have enough water? Did it have enough food? Is it, you know, how, like, how's it doing? If I cut that flower, is it going to cause damage to that plant? You know, and so she was like, you know, we need to be gardeners, not just florists. And I, I thought that was a really nice way of thinking about it. You know, like being aware of the context of your work and being aware of the history of the designs that you're using is a really important part of this job. So now I'm going to ask... The most important question of this interview, uh, possibly most controversial, as someone who does full body work, what did you think of Ben Affleck's full back tattoo? (laughs) You know, we got got an email about that at the shop. Someone emailed like, I don't know what the publication was, but it was, you know, like a a New York Post or something emailed to ask us what we thought of it, you know, such a strange, um, such a strange question, you know, I don't know. I I hope he's happy. (laughs) What would you have advised? Uh, I think I think it has too much color. You know, I probably would. Yeah, it could have been simpler. But, you know. A little bit more black would have. A little bit more black would have helped a lot, definitely. All right. This has been fun. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to Working. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have questions or comments, send us an email at working at slate.com. As always, a big thank you to Justin D. Wright for our ad music and my amazing producer, Jessamine Molly. Join us next week.